you probably didn't realize how big an issue this was going to be going in. You thought you did, and you had the best intentions, and God handed to you. You said, you know, I'm doing this, but you didn't realize all the implications and the ramifications. True that. True that. <laughs> in this episode, we first hear from John and Pam. They've been married 23 years. Pam developed severe sensory hearing loss when she was a child. In 2009, after several years of personal research, Pam made the transformative decision to receive a cochlear implant. Since then, how they relate to each other has shifted. Their manner of communication and how they talk to each other has changed. Also in today's episode, we talk with Erin Bosick. She's a copywriter and branding professional who uses language to help companies tell their stories. I think advertising and these those types of brands that have the lover personality are tending to try to evoke something and get you to feel in lust with it. You kind of have to have that cachet of being wanted and being desirable and not being easy to get. My name is Andy Horning, and this is Elephant Talk. It's a show about all things relationship, the soulful, the silly, and the sexy. One of the earliest uh, memories I have of our courtship, I do have this memory of maybe walking through the village with you, and we were going to some restaurant on Bleecker Street, and I knew that you had you know, hearing loss. And when you didn't understand or didn't hear something that I said, you know, I moved my mouth closer to your ear as if, you know, repeating it again closer to your ear was going to help you. But that obviously wasn't the thing to do. No, you needed to move within view so I could lip read. Exactly. Very early on in my schooling, that might have been first grade. Um, yeah, I sat down for the hearing test. All the little kids had hearing tests. And I was waiting for it to begin. Yeah. End of story. <laughs> I was just sitting there waiting for it to begin. A few years later, Pam's father took her to a school for the deaf for more testing. And I was terrified because um, all the little kids in that school were severely impaired. Uh, the hearing aids were body aids, you know, like a box. And the kids would wear, I guess for the teacher's benefit, would wear little harnesses and would have either one or two of those boxes and with the wires connected to the hearing aids. And I was terrified by this and terrified that I would have to go to school there. Um, it was a very distressing experience. You didn't want to wear one. I, no, I didn't want to wear one, but also uh, my parents were told that there were no hearing aids that would help with my particular type of hearing loss at that time. So I was not prescribed a hearing aid until much, much later uh, when I was in high school. A lot of people have been entertained by the fact that I'm a sound guy and, you know, a radio journalist, and I ended up with someone who really can't listen to the radio. You do listen to my stories now and then if I have a completely transcribed script. 
And I hear a lot better post-cochlear implant. I can hear a lot more of what's going on. The funny thing about you after the cochlear implant is that not only can you hear what's going on, you know, when I'm speaking on the phone in my office, and previously, before the cochlear implant, you couldn't really understand what I was talking about when I was on the phone, but now... You have no privacy. I have no privacy, (laughs) and I'll be talking to someone on the phone, and you'll (laughs) pipe up, what did you say? Is that... That's not true. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Why are you mentioning me? Right, right. I think it's remarkable that when you went to get the cochlear implant in 2009 and you're age 57, you did a lot of investigation into whether you should have the cochlear implant. You took a year or two. I took about two years. I totally dragged my feet. I was totally uncertain whether to get this. The first procedure for receiving a cochlear implant is to surgically implant electrodes under the skin behind the ear. Several weeks later, a speech processor is placed outside the ear, and then the processor is activated. It's turned on. The very first sounds I heard were these almost musical sounds. It almost sounded like offbeat science fiction music. It's hard to describe. And it was sort of scrambled. It was sort of weird sounding. And then it was on. And then you could hear people talking? Absolutely. A lot of people who get cochlear implants do not understand right away. It takes them a while to understand. But for me, I could understand right away. I knew that this was going to work. I didn't know how well it was going to work. Like, and now what's different? Like saying, I love you, you couldn't whisper it in her ear or... He still can't whisper it in my ear. (laughs) (laughs) I don't consistently do what I used to do, which was always make sure that you have line of sight vision to lip read me. I know that you can understand me without lip reading me sometimes, most of the time. Sometimes if we're arguing over something... Very occasionally I'll say, you know, I can hear you. I I can be doing this and still hear you. You don't have to be in my line of sight. And uh, But then uh, you sometimes get a little complacent about it and you just assume I can hear everything. If I'm washing dishes and the water is running or if you're washing dishes and the water is running, that's a great example uh, because that happens frequently. Yeah, I still can't always hear over that. I mean, there's a limit to the miracle. It is a miracle, but there's a limit to it. And I think you've gotten very used to me hearing so much better than I used to. And you sometimes almost might wonder, oh, come on, are you faking it? You really can hear me, you know. Sometimes I think you must be thinking that. Not that I... Not that I remember. I'm... That's a common, a common response that hearing people have to heart of hearing people. You can hear when you want to hear. 
you know what I think happened after the cochlear implant? Your hearing became so much better that every now and then if you like struggled to hear, hear something, I would become impatient because, you know, I got it in my head that, you know, you can hear great now. Why didn't you understand what I just said, you know? Yep. I am kind of amazed that after being married for more than 23 years, I still get frustrated by the need to repeat things that you haven't heard. And you have told me about this dynamic that people with hearing loss are engaged in, which is pretending that they heard something because they're just tired and they have no patience for feeling <laughs> yep. bad about needing to have things repeated. And I'm still amazed that after all these years, I, I still get frustrated. You know, every now and then, you and I do have fights over this. Sometimes I think, Kalish, don't you ever learn? You know? <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of my childhood pretending I could hear things when I couldn't, to the extent that sometimes my friends would say to me, okay, Pammy, what did I just say? And sometimes I couldn't, you know, I was just pretending. Yeah, I just wanted to get along with everyone, didn't want to stand out, didn't want to make a big deal, didn't want to make anybody mad at me. And I will admit that there was still sometimes when I do that with you. Sometimes I just feel I don't want to get into this right now. I don't want to make him repeat something. He's getting a little frustrated at me, you know, maybe you're in a bad mood about something and I just don't want to bug you and I won't ask you to repeat something that I have not completely heard. I maybe partially heard it, but not completely. I just remember two things post-implant. When you go to bed, you take off the cochlear implant, you take out the hearing the, aid. I take off the... The processor. The processor. And you take the hearing aid out. Yes, and I take, I wear a hearing aid in my other ear, which I take out, yes. And once you've done that, you're pretty darn deaf. Yes, I am. One thing that you do... It's nice and quiet, even on 27th Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's a good point, because... Um, We've gone to bed, we're trying to fall asleep, the lights are out, and all hell is breaking loose in the uh, vacant lot outside our window. Like one time, a dude jumped out the seventh floor window and committed suicide and oh God. You know, gave yeah. this death-curdling howl. And of course, oh you, did, you didn't hear any of no. it. Or, you no. know, the, well, another time there would be a fight, I'd get up and call the police, and you're often startled. Yeah, I'm saying, like, what's going on? What's happening? And I, I, of course, can't really explain to you what's going on because you've got all your hearing apparatus out. And, and it's dark. And it's dark, and I, you can't lip-read me. Right. But there's this other dynamic that takes place after we go to bed, which is now and then if something is frustrating you or you're upset about something— you will start talking about it. When we're in bed, the lights are out. You can't hear a thing I'm going to say in response. <laughs> and I'm always like, why, why are you like initiating this discussion now, which is not a discussion. It's like a soliloquy, right? That's what I say. 
I don't know. <laughs> there must be something about pillow talk, you know, that transcends the idea of having to have somebody actually talk to you. Right, right. Answer you. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I certainly don't think of you as my captive audience, but maybe I should. And there are times when you're upset about something, I'm upset about something, and these conversations in the dark, in bed, begin, and I will insist, all right, I'm turning the light on, put on your processor, put, on, put yeah. in your hearing aid. Yeah, that has happened on occasion. I think it's been kind of reassuring to look back on how we've grappled with this over the years and it's been a little bumpy and uh, you know we've been angry from time to time but I do think we've learned and you know made a real effort to work this all out. I, I think you know the surprising thing actually probably to both of us is that it's never fully worked out. It's not something that you can say, okay, this is solved, this is taken care of, we have all the answers to this, it's no longer a problem. Just because even knowing as much about technology as we do and the dynamics of hearing loss as we do and being as well informed as both of us are, in particular me from the hearing loss side and you just from your side of being an audio person, audio producer, radio person, we still don't have all the answers. Uh, or we'll have the answers and we'll ignore them and we'll just go ahead being angry and bummed out and pissed off sometimes, um, even though we know what we should be doing. Uh, what I want to say to anyone who's involved in a relationship who is a hearing person, if you're a hearing person... Just get up. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. If you're a hearing person and your partner is deaf or has hearing loss and you've been together for years and years and you're still struggling with maintaining patience over the need to repeat things, you need to do what I try to do in those moments, which is... Just have this little silent conversation with yourself in which you say, you know, it's not her fault. The least you can do is to, you know, accommodate her and say it again and make the effort because you owe it to her. Every relationship is full of stories. John and Pam have stories with conflict and transformation, but they're also not afraid to admit that marriage is hard work. And they continue to prove that by making the effort to do the work, love eventually wins. Erin Bosick is a creator of Stories for Companies. She understands how to identify a brand's need and identity. And then she uses the art form of storytelling to develop a brand's message. Where does sex or love get woven into any of the work that you do? I, I was thinking around food and lust. You know, in a lot of the branding and positioning work that I do, there are identities that different brands have. And I, I use like an archetype style of exercise. And there are those lover brands, like 
Dove soap or like Godiva chocolate, um, maybe even Porsche that have this really luscious kind of sexy tone of voice <sighs> using words and a cadence in the language that is meant to tempt. Like so for a lover brand, the language would be a lot more luscious chocolate, temptation, sweet, mouth-watering, uh, like that kind of stuff, uh, sensual, things like that. Whereas another brand that might be the same product, let's say a, a playful you know, or a jester brand might uh, be talking about pops of delight or you know, things like that where it uh, might be dark seduction. I think advertising and these those types of brands that have the lover personality are tending to try to evoke evoke something and get you to feel in lust with it or mm. get you to fall into some kind of trance with it a little bit more than kind of just thinking of it as this little treat. So within the lover brand, there's hedonist brands, there's uh. romantic brands. You kind of have to have that cachet of being wanted and being desirable and not being easy to get. When I think of a Hershey's versus a Godiva, you think of Hershey's as being this very fun, approachable brand. And Godiva is also approachable, but it has much more sensuality to it. It has a lot more depth and wave and kind of cadence of like a heartbeat, falling in love and dreaming in chocolate and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Hershey's is a lot more like yeah. Willy Wonka kind of wonder. feel. Mm -hmm. Can you have a brand that reflects the complicated nature of relationship? <laughs> Maybe it's not brandable enough if it's too complicated. I mean, the very essence of branding is that you bring it down to a very simple thing. But, you know, relationships are complicated. You're married. It's hard at times. You, you hate your partner at times and you love them. Is that how you find relationship? Do you experience it in all its forms? Or are you guys totally in love <laughs> we all are the time? We're mostly in love most of the time. I'm very lucky. You know, every, every relationship has its challenges. And I think every brand is striving... It's sort of moving from this idea of having brand fans, but now it's they want it. To, they want people to be brand participants. We're becoming so desensitized to media that brands are having to be a much more creative in a way to to make any kind of genuine or meaningful connection. Impact. And people are smarter to have brands be more of a relationship with people than just a functional transactional part of their day. If you're ready to engage in a perfect marriage and totally in love. There's lots of dialogue out there, lots of connection, lots of images and words out there that reflect that back to you. Mm -hmm. If you want to go to the other extreme around, I can't stand my partner, we're ready to get divorced. There's lots of language and media that, yes, you're on the right track. But if you're in this rich middle ground of, I want more from my relationship, but I'm struggling to find it. I'm happy. I don't want to get divorced. There's not much out there in terms of language and images to reflect that. Mm -hmm. There is the dialogue out there around this is as good as it gets. How would you brand or market and what kind of language would you use around, yes, relationship holds this potential and it's complicated at times. And you've got to continue to show up every day and practice. When I think about that, of this idea of like the in-between space that you described, there's this idea of being perfectly imperfect. 
people are like, oh, I don't want granola bars that look perfectly cookie cutter with this on top. And I also don't want something that looks so homemade that I don't know if it's safe. And so there are these brands that are kind of in the in-between We've that middle ground. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are also touting this idea of like human interaction with it, like not made 100% by machines. But we have safety standards. We're a legitimate brand. Like there's a brand that I worked on. It used to be called Boulder Soup Works. It's called Boulder Organic now. And they told a story at the very beginning that one of their customers called and was actually happy because they found a rock in their potato. (laughs) And and they were like kind of happy about it because Because they found it from the earth. Like Uh, it was from the earth. This is a real potato. (laughs) And it was long before they've become like a much bigger organization because I don't think that that would happen again. But people get really attached to that idea of like, you're just trying to do your job too. And I really like that, (laughs) you know, like you were trying to not be apathetic, but not be perfect. Right. I don't even think people want to be perfect anymore. I think it's actually really unappealing to people in terms of a brand being like so buttoned up. It's no fun anymore. And not relatable. Mm -hmm. You said real a couple times in that, uh, in explaining it. And I think that's one of the words that we've come upon is real, which allows for all of it. The perfect parts and the imperfect parts. I I think real and authentic and tangible and palpable and words like that it has like some kind of sensory meaning i can see this i can feel this i can touch this i think most brands are kind of starting to move in that direction of wanting to be seen as real brands are starting to like value transparency in a much different way which i think in relationships that's where that kind of middle ground starts to get shaky is like as soon as you start being really honest with each other that's where it starts to be more real and like less transactional and more like connective and like more intimate. Yeah. We could use the food model as a model for us, as a way of um, helping us message our own work. This idea that like brands, just as much as relationships and, and couples, they need to find that right match. You know, like sometimes when I come in with brands and they're like, we just want to be approachable. We want everybody. We want everybody to feel welcome in our brand. And it's like, okay, fair enough. (laughs) But like, you're not going to win trying to be everything to everyone. Mm. You need to pick something that really makes you different because everything is out there. Let's do a little word association since you're so good at that. Ready? I'll say a word and you just say what comes to your mind. Love. My husband. (laughs) (laughs) Sex. Hedonistic. Carnal. Raw. Visual, visceral, tactile, passionate. Holding hands. Sweet, caring, connected, relationship, trust, bond, honesty. Couples fighting. Rage, screaming, loud, honest, difficult, necessary. Real. Weddings. Connection. Showcase. Expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Romantic. Memorable. Romantic love. Uh, Unicorns, puppy dogs, (laughs) running through fields of rainbows. Idealistic. Curious. Real love. 
unashamed, realistic, relatable, unapologetic, unorthodox, craveable, desired, not what it seems. To learn more about Erin Bosick and her work with words and branding and writing, visit erinbosick.com. Thank you to John and Pam Kalish. And if you'd like to learn more about cochlear implants and hearing loss, visit the Hearing Loss Association of America at hearingloss.org. To hear and read stories by John Kalish, visit kalish.nyc. That's K-A-L-I-S-H. Our producers are Lisa Gray and Kim Paletti. Our theme music is by Rob Berger. Additional music by Joey Fahrenbach, Timothy Vida, Manelli Jamal, and Reza Manzuri. Audio production assistance provided by Leslie Gaston-Bird and Josh Kern. If you'd like to share your story, send comments, be a part of the conversation, or become a sponsor, visit us at elephanttalk.org. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. And thank you for listening. I'm Andy Horning. This is real love. This is Elephant Talk. <laughs>